0: This is the Reluctant Leader podcast, the podcast designed to help you step out of the shadows and become an inspirational leader. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and each episode I will be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. I'll be picking their brains for those golden nuggets that will help you be the best you can be. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing at thereluctantleader.co.uk and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So let's get on with the show. today's podcast I'll be talking communication with Ian Marsh who is a renowned listener, speaker, coach, facilitator and mediator who focuses on helping people talk about the things that matter most to them, the things they generally find hardest to talk about. A former lawyer, Ian has worked with business families for more than 40 years and has seen that firsthand the damage intractable conf- conflicts can do to people and their relationships if it is left to their own devices. Through his new book, If It's a Good If it's so good to talk, why is it so hard? Ian brings his passion for helping people to overcome the perils and discover the power of face-to-face conversation in a digital and increasingly polarised world to a far broader audience. I hope you enjoy it, and I will catch you on the other side. So welcome, Ian, to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Thanks, Mark. Good to be with you. I was just thinking back to when we were sort of introduced, it was when we were both involved in another podcast um, about uh, family businesses. And obviously that's something that you've been doing um, recently. Um, So what I'm gonna start off with actually, the first question I'm gonna ask you is actually how, why do you do what you do? And and maybe the pivotal moment um, that made you actually start doing it.
1: Um, Okay, Uh, interesting question. I, I I guess I spent um, more than forty years practicing law, and the last uh, big chunk of that, I found myself involved in a lot of family conflict um, and litigating that uh, sometimes for years on end in multiple jurisdictions, which. You know, from the lawyer's perspective is, is, is fine. You meet interesting people, do challenging work, and you get well paid for it. But from the client's perspective, it's, it's less good. Yeah. Um, so I decided to train as a mediator. And then when I did that, I left the law and initially started mediating the sorts of conflicts that I'd advised on before. And then I soon came to realize that most of those conflicts were really just down to a breakdown in communication. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to be a total charge deal broker, uh, if I could restore communication between the parties, then either the conflict fell away completely because it was a sort of construct to beat each other up with Mm. Or, or they were perfectly capable of sorting it out themselves. Uh, and that's the route I started going down. And I just became more and more fascinated over time with why it is that you know, smart, well-educated, uh, successful people who love one another can't actually talk about the stuff that matters most. And and if they can't, you know, what hope is there for the rest of us, really? So I started studying that more and more. I discovered
2: uh,
1: a, a subject called interpersonal neurobiology, which seemed to offer a lot of explanations that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've just you know, gone on over time, focusing more and more on, on that piece, because it's just so important. Uh, not just in families, but in civil discourse. Mm. Uh, It's important for young people to have those skills and not get too drawn away by playing with screens and so on. Mm. Uh, And and clearly, in in the leadership role, if if you don't have those skills, then you can't build and maintain relationships or, or create the safe spaces where... Uh, mm. where your team might, might communicate effectively and, and work better together.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And um, from, from my experience, I've, I've worked with my family, um, and the thing that we probably didn't spend enough time on is actually learning how to communicate with one another. Um, we didn't know enough about the right way to do it. Um, and um, personalities took over. Uh, and, um, I guess that, and, and I guess that's um, typical of what you were seeing.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, I I think you bring up two very good points. The, the the first one is that you know many families, be they families in business or or family offices, they always think their success or lack of it is down to the economy, the tax regime, mm-hmm. the markets, uh, all the so called hard areas where over which they have no influence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And by and large, they pay no attention to the biggest driver, which is their relationships, which is communication. Um, which, you know, in some ways, very ironic. Mm. Uh, and, and yes, the personalities taking over. I think mean, one of the things I found working with families, in particular, but all long-term teams, is that when things get tough you tend to revert to stereotype. So in a, in a family situation, you know, you're probably reverting to something when the kids were, you know, adolescents. So <laughs> this, this one's the joker, this one's the peacemaker, this one's the practical one. And it's much easier if you just drop back into stereotype than actually mm. try and work with the person in front of you. Of
0: course, yes. it doesn't get you very far. <laughs> yeah, and we sort of tie- it's almost like giving people excuses, isn't it? Oh, that's what they are like, and and, uh, mm. and. But really, what we need to do is actually learn more about um, how we all communicate. And obviously, uh, you've written a book about this. Um, I've uh-huh. re- I've 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 read it, and I've I've just started rereading it um, because you know it's so important to understand more about what good communication is. Um, yeah. The, your book is, um, intriguingly titled, if it's so good to talk, why is it so hard? Uh, and that, and that is, uh, that is it, isn't it? It's that's the, um,
2: absolutely.
0: The thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I've mentioned the book, so I think it'd be a good idea just to explain what's in it. Um, I noticed that you've, 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 um, split it into four sections. Um, mm-hmm maybe it'd be a good idea of why you did that uh, and what each section is about
1: <laughs> the why is probably difficult that's the way it came out uh, <laughs> <Okay. Right. laughs> but, but i think i mean the first section is really a looking at what conversation is i i, I, mm. I wrestled for a long time about whether to talk about communication or conversation and conversation works better f- for me partic- particularly in the modern environment Yeah, you know, it's communication invokes technology and it suggests the transmission of data and very little else and I think there's an awful lot more in conversation mm. uh, and also as you know gathered from reading it my, my focus is very much on face to so, face where it can be done because you know, we respond and react very differently there than we do mm. over this very useful technology that we're using. Yeah. Um, so, the, so the first couple of chapters are really exploring what the nature of effective conversation is, the fact that whilst we never taught them, it has rules and, and there are effects if, if, we, if we don't join in uh, and abide by those rules and we stop talking across people, always talk at cross-purposes. Yeah, we don't all know how frustrating that, that can be at times, but it yeah. happens. And that's really just to set of the scene. The, yeah. the two centre sections are, are the real meat of it, and the first of those looks at what I've discovered, and what I believe to be the things that, preventers communicating well the, the obstacles the things that get in the way mm-hmm. and there's underpinning that there's there's quite a lot of neuroscience research and psychology mm-hmm. uh, but i've i've tried to keep all the long words out of it and just <laughs> uh summarize a few people's life work into a few pages each and i, I but i hope it gets the the, the flavor of it across um, the the third section then looks at what we can uh, what we can do to try and improve the situation. Uh, not in a not in a, a tactical way. Uh, the, there's some really good books out there about having difficult conversations, but some of them look at it very much from a well. If you use these words, you get mm. different results, or mm. if you have these four, yeah aspects of conversation in mind and plan them, you get better results. The the approach I've taken is to, uh, as I would say, actually rewire the brain, give yourself a different pro communication mindset Mm. that makes the whole thing easier. Mm. Uh, And then because all of that is focused primarily on -on one-on-one conversation, the, the last section Focuses on how we can create uh, what I would call pro-social groups, mm. uh, groups in which communication flows easily, more easily, and you know some of the perils, pitfalls, and and and, and other things to explore in, in in trying to do that, which obviously would be of interest in in the leadership context because mm. the leader without a team is perhaps not leading you know
0: yes yes <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the thing that i've found really interesting is is um i think when we go into a conversation if we don't go into it with a a win-win a win-win scenario in other words we want to get an outcome that's right for us and for the other person then straight away that's not going to be you know we're not going to get a good outcome are we because if it's if it's i want to win this this argument what what um i i got a flavor of is that if you want a good outcome you've got to set the 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 right environment firstly so that everyone yeah. feels comfortable because there's no point in putting on in a place where one of you doesn't feel comfortable so finding somewhere neutral that's that's quite important isn't it
2: I,
1: I I think that's absolutely right. I mean mm-hmm. the the centerpiece that of uh, the the problems we have comes from you know, evolution, I suppose, what mm. what a lot of people will know as fight fright, mm. uh, which um a guy called Stephen Porges has researched for a lifetime and reframed as socialization, mobilization and immobilization. And you know, the, key, the key is to keep everybody in that socialization mode. Mm. And, 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 and I would say you know, in, in, in your reluctant leader context, mm. yeah, it, it's difficult for all of us because it, it's hard, it's hard to put the other person first when you're bursting full of ideas you want to put mm-hmm. across but if you don't put them first, they're never gonna hear what you've got to say. So you, yeah, you have to do that. And I think, yeah, the mark of the the leader and a a characteristic I would encourage aspiring leaders to develop is taking responsibility for creating that environment. And that means Mm. everybody has to feel safe in, in its broader sense. Uh, I mean, that includes yourself, obviously, but Mm. but also it has to be, you have to be non-threatening. The space has to be Mm. non-threatening. And what you do when you're there has to be uh, non-threatening. I mean, I I would go further on the the last bit because, you know, if you want to persuade, you, you really do have to do an awful lot of listening first
0: yes and it's it's the old um um seek to understand um before you you used seek to be understood thing isn't it uh and, it, and if you can show that and show that you are willing to understand the other person's point of view first then you're more likely to be listened to afterwards is that fair to say
1: um yeah i mean i i, I would say it's more fundamental even than that mm. i i think if you, I think you do need to seek to understand before mm. the other, but before seeking to understand, you need to seek to connect. I think that yeah. the, the primary thing you have to do mm. is establish a connection with the other person. Because if you don't have a carrier wave, there's no point trying to broadcast anything. It's, it's, not, it's not going anywhere. And I think yeah. that the, the physical act of what I would call deep listening. Um, a, creates a sense of safety, it creates, it's where rapport and trust comes from. And when you've been listened to in that way, you're much more open to listening to others. It, I mean, it's an interesting thing that emerged from my mediation practice was that it you don't, necessarily have to be listened to by the person who's trying to persuade you um yeah, I found that if if I give somebody a good listening to and then <laughs> put them in a room with people they were having an argument with they were much more open to to, to listening uh, and I think that's one of one of the reasons I would encourage anybody to have a group of confidants they can mm-hmm. they can resort to is that yeah, when you're working with a team, you, you've got to let them you know, tell their own stories in their own time and their own words, ideally not interrupting them, um, e- even if you set them a time frame in which they have to do it, but give them that space to do that. And you need listening to too. So, yeah, sometimes you have to look outside the team for that, mm. and have, you know, whether, it's, whether it's a coach, a mentor, yeah, or just a listener. Uh, but having people who will listen to you in that way and obviously respect all the confidences too mm. Uh, mm. is is probably something well, it is something I would encourage all all leaders to do
0: yeah yeah and and i I love the way you've mentioned that uh, you know um about uh, a good listening to because we hear a lot about you know um, somebody deserves a good talking to um, <laughs> No, you know someone deserves a good listening to too, don't they?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think I mean particularly in in a team setting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but over my career, I have sat in so many team meetings where you know team members really get no opportunity other than to ask how high they should be jumping. Mm. Uh, And yeah, is that actually getting the best out of them? I mean, I mean, there's a lot to be said for chain of command and there are circumstances where that needs to operate like that. But mm-hmm. if you're in a creative environment, if you want everybody to be contributing to their best and feeling valued, yeah, you've got to give them a safe space in which to say what whatever's in their head uh, without you know, criticising it, condemning, mm-hmm. contradicting it. Uh, I mean, the, the three quicker... Well, let, let, let me put it to you you know if, if, if you're talking to somebody what is it brings your shutters down
0: um I, it's interesting I was talking to someone the other day and I, I really wasn't quite as aware as of, of this has been a problem as it is to me actually but when someone interrupts me I really do it really um, irritates me in a big way and I'd done a psychometric test, um, and one of the things that came back to me was, Mark doesn't like being interrupted. And I thought, my God, yeah, is that is absolutely right? And I, it really does irritate me, because I know then, as soon as somebody interrupts me, they're not really listening to me, are they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I would say... Okay, find me 10 people who do like being interrupted. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think I, I read a line in um, a book the other day that said it inter, interrupting people infantilizes them because it's, it's telling them that they're not you know, really capable of speaking for themselves. Mm. So if a leader starts interrupting, um, yeah, you know, what sort of message is it sending to the team?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost saying, "Look, okay, you've had your say now." You know, you know, we've we've seen. Um, let's take an example that everyone will probably resonate with, and that's um, the president of the United States at the moment, Donald Trump. You know, I, I witnessed um, a press conference where you know he was inviting questions, but probably I don't think anybody actually got to finish off what the question was before he interrupted and basically gives a, a response. Uh, yeah, and, and it's irritating. Even if if you're involved, it's irritating. But on the outside, it's irritating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. Uh, and I think if you so, so for a lot of people, it's going to be interruption or contradiction. Mm. Um, you know, being if if I dare risk moving it towards uh, uh, the difficult conversation in this country at the
2: moment. Mm.
1: Yeah. Both both sides of that divide keep telling the other side why they voted, mm. and and how only an idiot would do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I I just slightly question whether that is the way to bring the country back <laughs> together. <again. laughs> yes. but, but that's 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 for another day, I guess. And, yes. and, and the other the other big thing is accusation. I mean, mm. almost any sentence that begins with you.
0: Yeah, 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 can
1: bring the shutters down so quickly. Yeah. Um, whereas, if you know a curious manner of engagement, i.e., being curious, asking questions, mm. uh, silence being yeah you know, the most powerful question we have actually. Mm. Uh, just it's again, it's giving people the space to talk. It, it's, I mean, it's interesting in my work that if I want people to open up, yeah. You know, I, I often don't ask questions at all. I just sit there until they start talking yes uh, yeah. and and yeah, remarkably few people can withstand more than about seven to ten seconds of complete silence
2: yeah. I,
1: I I'm completely relaxed, I can go for hours, but... <laughs> 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 but it's taken a lot of practice, i guess yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it, it it takes some i mean it, it's yeah. to be fair, I think it is uh, a partly a personality thing uh, right. yeah I'm, I'm i'm an introvert who's learned to work in a public space uh but the introverts growing up is a lot about listening rather than pushing yourself into the crowd so uh, yeah there is some of some of that in it i accept
0: mm, mm, yeah yeah uh, uh, i i one thing that i did uh, pull out of the book uh, and being a lover of acronyms um was the <laughs> The, the the rain acronym, um, yeah. and I think that'd be worth you just running through those um, the the four um, things that make up the the rain R A I N acronym.
1: Okay, I mean it's it's a it's an acronym for a technique that is uh, I I learned it in in context of actually mindfulness meditation and dealing with stuff that arises in the course of that, but it's actually usable with almost anything that's troubling and, and the, the, the R is to recognize to, to recognize what's going on in in the meditation context it you know mm-hmm. the thought that appears in your head the emotional feeling that arises in you the yeah, the pain in your back or wherever it is, mm. uh, and 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 obviously that can yeah work in focusing on anything. So the first step obviously is just to recognise it, and, and it's usually very helpful just to give it a name. Mm. Um, so again, sort of pain, hunger, yeah, whatever it, whatever it might be. The 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 A is for acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because a, a lot of a lot of the grief we cause ourselves is is because we uh, we, are, we object to the way the world is this instant, and 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 actually you can't change that. Mm. Uh, I mean, your, your senses and your brain are wired in a very efficient way, but it does take a certain amount of time for the signal to get from your senses to your brain so actually by the time you're aware of something it's in the past so you, you definitely can't change it mm. and and just that sense of acceptance you know uh also that yeah you know, most things come and go um all things pass you know, mm. let it be all all all, all that good stuff
2: yeah. which
1: yeah you know, can sound very trite but yeah Actually, doing doing the mindfulness type exercises,
2: mm.
1: the one thing you see very quickly is that all all these you know thoughts literally do come and go, mm. uh, emotions too, physical sensations. So, yeah, if if you are getting angry, it it will pass. Um, yeah, you know, your mother's old advice of counting to ten is not yeah. is actually not a bad technique. You know, it's it's uh, we haven't. Improve that much, on it. <laughs> no. so so yeah. Recognizing what's there, letting it go. That yeah. the I is the real heart of it, which is which is inquiry. What what what's you know you you've given it a label. You you've got a sense of what's going on, but what what what's really going on? Mm. Uh, and yeah, you know, where does it come from? And and here it's. I mean, there's loads of ways of asking questions. I mean, I. I <clears throat> I sometimes use the sort of Jeremy Clarkson type question. So if, if this was a car, what would it be? Right. Uh, yeah. right. uh, ask, you know, off, completely off-the-wall questions to try and get a... because it's interesting what answers they produce. You know, what, if, if it's a sensation in your body, where is it? What shape is it? What temperature is it? Yeah. Uh, um, all manner of questions that are not sort of analytical. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's the key to a lot of this. You just <clears throat> excuse me. We we over-analyse things. Uh, there, I mean, there's a debate amongst neuroscientists and so on as to whether we are actually rational or whether we just rationalise things after the event. I, oh. I, I think I tend to the latter school. Okay. But uh, I, I'm open to persuasion. <laughs> but, but just sort of looking. Yeah, you know, with in that difficult conversation, yeah, you, know, you have these views about everything. You have these beliefs, but where do they actually come from? Yeah, yeah. are they really from you, or is, do they come from,
2: yeah,
1: you know, fake news or real news mm-hmm. or, you know, what yeah, what your parents told you forty years ago, which might not be quite so true—urban myth. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting when we start looking at, at, at stuff in an inquiring way, just just being curious about it and see 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 what comes up. Yeah. And um, the N is, gosh, the the N is given so many different uh, words attached to it. Non identification is one, uh, which comes up a lot, which means that this isn't actually me. I was a, I I was taught that was it. All thoughts are real they're not all true um, yeah you, you have these thoughts you have these emotions um, but they're not who you are you, you don't actually have to act out on them yeah uh, you, you have that ability not to if, if you give yourself the space which and, and a lot of using this is about giving you that space so sort of accepting that these things you know may just be electrochemical. Stuff going on in your body rather yeah. than yeah, a program you have to execute through and, yeah. and, and, and part of it also you do in um, you, you do in the R part as well the the recognition because if if you're there's a big difference between I am in pain and pain or I am angry and anger. If you just notice that there's some anger there, that's mm. one thing. Mm. If you say, I am angry, mm. and this keeps on going, you know, very soon your your self-talk is that I am an angry person. Mm. Mm. Uh, and you sort of wish yourself into these things. Whereas if you, if you, well, oh, okay, that's that's anger. What, what am I angry about? Why am yeah. I angry? So, yeah. And sometimes I... there's just no answer. It's just a flash of chemicals in your body and yeah. your a acculturated brain tells you that the label for that is anger and then those little critters I name in the book as mind monkeys get to work with it and start spinning a story around it
0: <laughs> Yes, uh,
1: and, and off you go and, and it, it, all this is really designed to sort of stop that before it gets out of, out of control yeah, and if yeah. you're doing that in, in, yeah, in, in a social context then um, you will send out far fewer threatening signals and and the people around you are going to relax too you'll be able to listen and yeah, they'll follow suit
0: yes i mean that's such an important thing isn't it to just recognize that you're you're not an angry person you're just feeling anger for some reason and then put it into context as to what's going on and what can i do about it and what's caused it and and try to be a bit more um you know um you know, not try to get sucked up into it or try, try not to be sucked into, into the actual emotion of it and say, well, it's just something I'm feeling right now.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, we yeah. have an incredible urge to see, see patterns. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes out, you know, somebody says something and you feel some hurt. You know, the tendency is to assume not only that what they said caused it, but they did that intentionally
2: because yeah. we think
1: of ourselves as intentional beings. Yes. Uh, and instead of checking, <laughs> you, yeah. we, we, we just let that program the next step, and then,
0: you know, it ramps up and up and up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- mm-hmm. It's oh, all interesting stuff, but I don't think we can, um, as time's running out, I don't think we can leave <laughs> this conversation about communication and not talk about the role that, um, or the impact that technology has on all this. What, have you, what, what do you think? About yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's
1: um, it's difficult, isn't it? Genies don't go back in bottles, so there's <laughs> no point. Um, I, I I think the the things that are clear from the signs are that our all these gadgets we have are addictive. Mm. So if, if you have a vaguely addictive personality, you're going to be. Stuck, you know, you get that little hit of dopamine right. every time it, you know somebody likes something you do or everybody every time somebody posts something in your direction and so on and so forth so right. so that's an issue to be aware of right. they're, they're also you know rightly called weapons of mass distraction <laughs> yeah you know, just as, there's some wonderful research out there showing that just having a f- mobile phone face down on the desk when you're meeting somebody, reduces both people's feeling of connection and effective communication. Mm. I mean, basically, if you, you know, if you've got 500 friends in that little box and just one guy sitting across the desk, where are you going to be paying attention to? Mm.
2: Um,
1: so, so, so that's an issue. Mm. Um, I think also it seems quite clear now that when we uh, are posting stuff, when we're interacting through technology, our uh, level of self-editing plummets, which is given as an explanation why people you know, post wholly inappropriate photographs of themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in, into an environment that you know, the head of HR at the next employer is likely to find. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, <coughs> so, and I think one of the things that being face to face does is that we're reading not just the voice but but the entire body. We're picking up, yeah, you know, tiny movements in the muscles of the face. Which uh, so mm. when we sense that we're pushing the boundary too so far, we pick that up quite quickly and, and we start we start editing. That that doesn't happen through the technology. And, no. and it, even if you're using, yeah. Uh, a piece of kit with video. Mm. Yeah, if you think of it, for for me to look as though I'm looking you in the face, I have to look at the camera, not at the picture of your face. They're tiny distances often, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're trying to come across as though you're engaging me eye to eye, you're actually having to look away, which alters the way you speak, because you're not looking at me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you do look at me in the face that you feel more comfortable, you, you look to me as though you're looking away. So now you're looking shifty.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, uh,
1: so, so unless we have a good, if we have a great relationship in the background, we know each other well. None mm. of that matters. Yeah. Uh, but if, 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 if we, either of us starts getting stressed, then it starts coming back into play again.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I, I was just thinking that um, when you put your t- phone in, on the table in front of you, when you're talking to someone, it's almost like the elephant in the room, isn't it? It's like, yep. you know, is the phone going to ring? Is there something that he's waiting to happen? Is he going to be picking up the phone in a minute just to check his social media? Is something yep. going to happen? Because it's on the table in front of him. Why has he put it there? Why has he put it in the bag? Or who or she? So, Absolutely, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a small thing, but actually uh, can he can have a big uh, impact on the quality of the communication uh, at the end. Absolutely. Of
1: the and, yeah. and yet you go into these, I don't know whether it's your experience, but mm. you go into you know, prof- meetings with a group of professionals, and, and these days if somebody isn't actually actively contributing to the conversation, they've got their
2: yeah.
1: phone out and they're working on another client's affairs.
2: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and
1: yeah. Um, but if I'm the client in the room, that that – doesn't build my
0: confidence <laughs> no no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, this is all interesting fantastic the uh, interesting stuff and um, we could talk all day but um, um we've got to um, sort of sum things up a bit so I'm going I to just ask, ask you just to sum up uh, maybe three things that um, someone in a leadership position can use when they're communicating to someone that so that they can the best get the best outcome for them for them and and um, for everyone really.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that the first would be to make sure that you do have somebody outside that group who can listen to you non-judgmentally without wanting to tell you what to do, just, just give you that good listening to and you know, respect the confidentialities of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody needs people to fall back on. I, I think the second is to, to give people that space to talk. So let them say what they need to say in their own words, in their own time. Yeah. If if a meeting doesn't yeah, permit endless talk, then maybe have a rule that everybody gets yeah, X minutes to to make their contribution and nobody else will interrupt, contradict, mm. ridicule, all of those things. Yeah. And then see what see what ideas you've got on the table that you can do something with.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and and the third is be curious about everything. Uh, develop a habit of, of curiosity because that's,
2: mm.
1: that's the key to an open mind. Um, if if you think you know the answer to everything, you're never going to look for new answers. Whereas if you're, yeah, you know, why does this act? Always ask questions. Take, take up hobbies that... Uh, develop curiosity um, i i saw i've got a book on sketching uh, which I bought because the you know the blurb on the back said yeah, sketching is curiosity made manifest <laughs> um, and you know you have to look yeah, and the more you look, the better the sketch so uh,
2: right, yeah
1: write poetry any any anything that 's about you know being in the present moment and just knowing everything there is to know about it and then when you if if you encourage that sort of behavior then when you meet other people you're you know why is your life experience different than mine it's 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 not a criticism it's yeah, we've got different views on this if we put them together you know what, what are the synergies
0: yeah 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 well, Ian, thank you ever so much for the fantastic advice. Um, I hope, um, I'm sure the listeners have picked up some um, nuggets of wisdom there that they can use in their, their um, leadership roles. Um, thank you again for joining me. I hope uh, we'll have the opportunity to, um, to continue our conversation sometime in the future. But for now, thanks very much. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening today. As action leads to outcomes, make sure you make a note to start, stop or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. Don't forget to subscribe at the where you'll find links to all the past episodes, blogs, blogs and how you can get in touch with me. Until next time, bye for now.